Auto Line This Week is underwritten in part by... In this epic battle of fuel efficiency and endurance, we're here to see which hybrid has the best MPG. That's the essence of a hybrid soul. But is there more to it? The Hybrid Game MPG Challenge. And now, here is your host, John McElroy. I want to thank you all for joining us on AutoLine this week, where we're going to be talking about some of the most advanced technology coming into cars. And that's because my special guest today is Johan Jungwirth, the CEO of Mercedes-Benz's research and development operations in North America. And Johan, or JJ as you prefer to be called, welcome to AutoLine this week. Thank you very much, John. Also joining us today are Chubba Chetta, a writer and consultant from the Valve Floats Group, and Mike Austin, the automotive editor for Popular Mechanics, and great having the both of you here, too. Good to be here. JJ, I gotta confess, I never even knew that Mercedes had research and development operations here in the United States. I've been to the huge facilities that you have in Germany, and the fact that you're based in Silicon Valley tells me you're all about electronics. That's right. Um, we actually uh, opened our office in Silicon Valley back in 1995. We were the first uh, automotive OEM uh, opening a facility uh, back then uh, in uh, Silicon Valley. Quite unique and, and innovative. And uh, since then, we have grown continuously. We have about 280 engineers and designers in the meantime in the, U- the United States. About five, you know, kind of mid-sized locations and three small satellites. And our headquarters in Palo Alto. Now. As I said, you're into electronics, but electronics encompass all parts of the automobile. Uh, For sure, I gotta believe you're into all these apps and in the cloud connectivity and all that sort of thing, but do you also get into powertrain, chassis, and the other parts of electronics that go into a car? Yeah, so in Silicon Valley, we focus on, you know, the connected car, developing you know, applications, consumer electronics, device integration solutions, focusing heavily on user experience design and, and software implementation and engineering. Uh, and uh, we have other locations like here in Redford in Michigan where we do electric drive and powertrain development, uh, control software development uh, and testing and so on. And then we have the two tech centers in Ann Arbor and in uh, Long Beach, uh, California, doing a lot of you know, uh, basically uh, uh, emissions testing and uh, calibration and uh, certification and so on before we bring the U.S. uh, or bring the cars to the U.S. market. And uh, then uh, we also do exterior design. We have in Carlsbad, California, an uh, exterior design studio. Uh, Basically, almost all of our research cars, you know, like the F-125, the F-800 style, F-700 and so on, all these cars have been designed in our studio here in the United States. And also the uh, car on the second generation CLS. Very good. 
The connected car is interesting, but I'm really more interested in how well all these infotainment systems just work within the car. For example, voice activation. Uh, uh, I recently had an SL550 that worked pretty well. Uh, you had to use the right syntax, however. How far away are we from having voice activation systems that can understand normal English, where, for example, in coming up here today, I would have just hit the button and said, take me to Autoline Detroit. Yes, so uh, we're working heavily on that. It's actually a big topic. We call it natural voice input or natural speech. Uh, and uh, a lot of the, let's say, onboard uh, voice recognition hardware, software, the algorithms uh, will be augmented by offboard, by cloud-based uh, you know, servers, so to speak, uh, supporting uh, the solution in the car. And we have already launched, um, and we have been one of the first OEM actually launching a Siri integration so that you can use, uh, if you are an Apple iPhone you know, 4S uh, user, uh, that you can actually, uh, with this uh, DriveKit Plus uh, digital drive style app uh, solution, can just use what you're used to from your regular phone. But, but why is that so hard? Why, why can Siri work pretty well on a, on a cell phone, this tiny little device, and on a $100,000, two and a half ton car, you somehow seem to not be able to integrate the technology to do what Siri does with the automotive functions? So actually, um, I mean, uh, the way Siri works, it's completely off-board based, with, with off based, but with just, let's say, minor, uh, let's say, onboard, uh, so to speak, recognition. Uh, you know, traditionally, where we come from, you know, and we have already introduced voice recognition about 10 years ago, uh, it was all onboard. That means the embedded system had all the, you know, nuance, uh, voice recognition engine, and so on. And of course, you have much more horsepower and much more, uh, let's say, uh, um, processing power on the back end on, in the cloud when you do that in the cloud. And, and of course, for us, let's say it's taking some time to transition to kind of augment this onboard processing power uh, with the cloud, with servers, uh, so to speak. And uh, uh, we have already, I think, today, you know, made good progress to, let's say, bring in natural speech but we are by far not at the end of this development. So in the next few years to come, you will see more and more, and, and already now, you know, with the new S-Class, which, which we just well debuted about uh, three weeks ago, uh, we have, uh, you know, one-line destination entry and, and, you know, more natural speech, so to speak, that you don't have to think about, you know, command and control and so on. But it's a very important topic. I mean, speech, especially if you think about, you know, minimizing driver's distraction, is very, very important. But especially you get into older drivers like me who maybe don't want to learn the owner's manual. I just want to speak to this car and have it obey me. Uh, and yeah. that would be a huge competitive advantage to the first car maker who's able to deliver that. That's right. And we also see, you know, kind of the car almost becoming, you know, your digital companion, kind of becoming a friend, so to speak, and more personalized and individualized. I want it to be a slave, not a friend. Well, <laughs> how, do you, how do you deal with the rapid pace of the electronics development versus the cars. I mean, two years from now, we can have a lot more processing power in our phones, and the S-Class will only be two years old. That's right. So uh, for that, and it's a very good question, very good point, actually, uh, we are building in a lot of flexibility. Uh, on the one hand, already today, you know, with Embrace 2, uh, with having all of our Mercedes-Benz apps, you know, from Yelp through Facebook through, uh, you know, of course, Google Local Search, sending points of interest from Google Maps to the car, and, and you know, many more applications and, and features and so on, all of that runs in the cloud. So that means when you get in your car, uh, basically uh, today, uh, you might see you know, new applications showing up, features being uh, 
you know, basically added and so on, since all these features are completely running on servers in the cloud. So we, we really decouple the development cycle of the hardware, of the embedded hardware, so to speak, which stays with a car as long as, you know, you own the car, or as long as the car is in the customer's hands. And then uh, what we focus on is, you know, basically providing solutions which are heavily cloud-based, as we say, so basically server-based, internet-based. And the second leg, you know, of flexibility which we are building in is really, uh, bringing in good smartphone integration. So, you know, using the customer smartphone uh, as an engine, so to speak, to really drive at least part of this infotainment and, and navigation experience. Then how do you deal with, with long-term ownership prospects? I mean, uh, nobody has a phone that's 10 years old. And similarly, if you get in a car with a 10-year-old nav system, it's not very good. So, uh, you know, how do you look at the overall life cycle of some of these electronics and how it differs from regular car parts? So, um, I mean, uh, it, it touches a little bit on the last point with flexibility. On the one hand, you know, let's say having the flexibility on the software side with uh, having, let's say, even 10 years down the road, as you own the car for 10 years, we are still able, you know, to uh, upgrade that car, let's say, with new features, with new apps, and, and you know, if, uh, let's say, uh, new social media, whatever, players uh, come into play, uh, we just, you know, integrated Glimpse, uh, you know, uh, real-time location sharing uh, within just a few months, uh, which is now basically uh, possible just because we have decoupled, uh, you know, the car uh, side and, and part of that experience in the car and put that on the internet in the cloud. Uh, on the hardware side, we're also looking at ways to uh, have at least parts of, uh, you know, the, uh, the in-vehicle hardware which is shipped with the car or which you get when the car is basically uh, shipped to the customer um, to be able to upgrade that even down the road. So that means uh, we're really working hard on flexibility and building that flexibility both into the software and software architecture and having that modular partially in the cloud, partially on the uh, smartphone. Um, and then additionally, let's say, having uh, modular hardware which you can upgrade. Has anyone taken this to sort of the, or thought about taking it to the ultimate level where as a car maker, you basically bite the bullet and say, we're not as smart at this as the phone makers are, so we're just going to provide a big screen mm -hmm. and the phone is the total engine. We don't do anything other than make a big screen and maybe allow three or four phone functions to run at once or allow each of them to run on a bigger screen. Is that a possibility or are there, what would prevent someone from doing that? So first of all, actually, I think we have been the first uh, OEM going in this direction. In September of last year, we launched with a new A-Class in Europe uh, this DriveKit Plus uh, solution. So that means uh, even if you had an entry-level uh, you know, head unit or infotainment system, we call it uh, Audio 20, um, in, in Europe and other parts of the, of the world. And, uh, you know, you would be able to get this DriveKit Plus, which then connects your smartphone. Uh, it was an iPhone 4, iPhone 4S-based solution at first. And, uh, you know, everything, every pixel on the in-vehicle display uh, is driven, you know, UI-wise from an app on the phone. Now, in this first generation, we as Mercedes-Benz decided, and we developed this completely in Palo Alto in our Silicon Valley office, you know, from the user experience design, from the whole logic and flow, from integrating Siri, uh, all the way to basically the whole experience. And, and it has, you know, um, or we have divided the, the features in, we call it social media and places. So it's really a, a full-fledged uh, experience and on the social we have Facebook, Twitter, Glimpse, uh, you know, and, and, and we have really sharing kind of as a platform across all uh, applications. So you can share the current song you're listening to, whether that comes from OPO, internet radio, or personal radio, 
uh, or from your local music database, which you have on your uh, iPhone. Uh, or you can share the current location or the destination you're driving to. And then you can decide whether you share it on Twitter or Facebook. And we have made it really, really easy that with just basically two clicks of a button, you know, a full you know, understandable sentence is basically being created by the car or by the solution. But the, the beauty of this is, is basically, as you mentioned, you know, uh, the, the whole in-vehicle experience, uh, everything you see on the screen is being rendered on the device and being pushed. Now, of course, you know, as uh, time goes by, you know, we'll see other players in this field. And there will be, you know, the big uh, consumer electronics uh, uh, companies, you know, like Apple and Google and, and HTC and, and Samsung. Um, I, I expect them, you know, all to really be interested in, in you know, creating in-vehicle solutions. And uh, we are very open for that. We, at the end of the day, what we care about is that our customers really get the experience they want in their car. Uh, so um, whether that's, you know, our own, you know, user experience, uh, you know, whether it's uh, someone else's, and uh, we embrace that and we partner with these companies. And uh, in my opinion, it's actually uh, a good uh, development which, which helps at the end of the day to satisfy customers. JG, you've got all these things coming into the car and yet there's a human-machine interface issue. And everyone has the redundancies of the hard controls or the voice control or the touch screen. Mercedes, of course, uses something that I love. You've got that rotary sort of jo joystick in the center console so I can rest my wrist, steady my hand, and control everything that way. Where do you think it's all going to shake out for the consumer uh, in the next 10 years? Touch screen, voice activated, mechanical switches, or this rotary joystick? So I think it's going to be a combination. Uh, at the end of the day, um, it, it is about, let's say, naturally interfacing with the car. And uh, at the moment, it's kind of reduced to voice interaction and uh, you know, either touch screen or kind of a, you know, center uh, controller or so, so to speak, especially in larger vehicles, you know, where we care a lot about, you know, let's say the interior of the vehicle and, and having, you know, beautiful space around you. And, and uh, with that, the displays are automatically a little bit further away. And, um, you know, it doesn't make a lot of sense actually to do a touchscreen solution, uh, especially when it comes to midsize or larger cars where you would get out of your seat basically to be able to reach the screen. So it's much more comfortable to do it via voice uh, or to use uh, a controller or, you know, go um, and, and, and even think about, you know, touch surfaces, touch pads, uh, think about gesture control, think about gaze. So we are working, of course, in our research and advanced engineering uh, labs, you know, on all of these uh, solutions and looking at multimodal, you know, interfacing. And uh, at the end of the day, um, it's not all size fits all. So it's really about, uh, you know, creating what's natural and also for different applications, different, let's say, modalities might be more natural. In, in testing these input schemes, it seems to me that a lot of car makers leave this to almost designers to do and they come up with a pretty dashboard and it's very attractive. Uh, it would seem to me that what you'd want to do is actually build a interior buck put it up on some hydraulic jacks that simulates a certain amount of road motion because, you know, hitting a touch screen while the car is moving, it's not easy. And maybe even projecting some driving 
environment on a windscreen that you must pay some attention to while you do this. And that would be the right way to evaluate these systems. Do you guys do anything like that? Oh, uh, yes. Yes, for sure. Uh, actually, we have uh, probably one of the most advanced, if not the most advanced uh, simulator in Sindelfingen, uh, right next to our you know, design and R&D centers. And uh, we are using that to exactly evaluate, you know. Control layouts uh, like that? Everything, yes, yes. It's heavily used and it's very important for us. I mean, uh, and, and it's not just the simulator and, and the simulated environment and, and different, you know, driving scenarios and so on, but it's also uh, in-vehicle testing. I mean, we do both. We have, you know, these uh, bucks, as we call them, built-up caps, so to speak, uh, for uh, testing of, you know, overall user interface concepts, uh, both stationary, uh, in the simulators, but also on the road. So we build in, you know, these prototyping uh, systems of, you know, next generation user interface and, and modalities, and uh, we drive them, you know, on the roads and uh, also evaluate with customers. For us, it's very important to bring in customers and and get their feedback. And we also see there are differences between markets. You know, uh, U.S., Europe, China. Uh, Japan, uh, but especially you know Asia overall, also with the different you know characters and and, and speech, and um, we need to let's say adapt to our customers worldwide. So when you're you're bringing all this stuff in and looking at the different interfaces, where do you draw the line and say this is something we shouldn't be doing while driving? Because all you know all of the news with all this connected stuff is actually secondary to the main function of the car, which is to get you somewhere. And where where do you stop and say? No, just drive the car. So that's actually for us quite um, you know straightforward and simple. Uh, we adhere to the AAM guideline, um, the Alliance of Automotive Manufacturers in the U.S. Uh, we have a, a guideline for minimizing driver's distraction, and we, as a company, adhere to those guidelines. Uh, for us, uh, it's basically you know a very uh, uh, a clear goal that we meet that and we do uh, huge testing user testing and then we decide also you know which features we can enable and allow while driving or uh, which uh, let's say operations because of the number of steps the number of seconds uh, you would have to you know take your eyes off the road to look at the screen or you know to operate with the system so um, that's why some features are only allowed to be used uh, with voice recognition uh, while driving um, and are blocked uh, let's say with uh, the controller and uh, and we uh, we measure that you know cognitive load and and uh, we meet the guideline uh, with every system you know we bring to market and we think that's very important actually and uh, we have been able until now you know to really evaluate all the you know Mercedes-Benz apps all the features everything we have brought to market uh, has let's say passed this test and you know some features as I said being disabled while driving at least. Uh, via, you know, basically controller input. As you talk about bringing more features into the cloud to take advantage of the processing power and memory, uh, where does the connection to the cloud come from and what happens then when you don't have a connection? Yeah, it's a very good question. So we, uh, we have our uh, Mercedes-Benz uh, vehicle backend, uh, so our own cloud, and we have a, a VPN, so a secure connection between the car and our cloud, so we almost view, let's say, these servers, you know, as being part of the car. So it's not going through your personal cell phone. It's something. It's a separate network that's dedicated exactly. to this. So uh, that's kind of different by market. But here in the United States, uh, we have our Embrace 2 platform, and every single car, you know, we ship to the United States, um, including now the new S-Class, um, will or actually uh, has a 3G 
uh, Verizon uh, connectivity module uh, built in, and uh, you have um, you know three months of uh, free service and uh, try out everything like from the basic uh, services, you know, which is uh, uh, stolen vehicle tracking, theft alarm, uh, remote door unlock and lock, uh, emergency calling, roadside assistance, uh, information services. And uh, all of that also, you know, uh, voice uh, activated, um, or at least partially voice activated. And then uh, the Mercedes-Benz apps, you know, from Google local search with uh, Street View and Panoramio through, uh, you know, sending points of interest and, and even routes. And we are the only OEM actually where you can send uh, routes from Google Maps to your car. So you can actually use Google Maps as you are used to and use these white dots to drag and drop and, you know, basically put your whole vacation plan, all the routes. Uh, but, but are you saying that if uh, after the three month of free trial, if I don't sign up for this service, my voice activation functionality is degraded? Um, so basically all the onboard voice activation is still there. So it's just basically when you're getting connected to our call centers, our backend servers, uh, to get you know concierge services or uh, you know remote door unlock and lock and, and theft but alarm. But the car will still understand voice of commands course. just as well whether yes. I okay. That's right. And so and and if I want to input an address into the nav system and I'm in the middle of Wyoming where I have no connection whatsoever, that still works just as well as it does in the city, or is that's, there a difference? No, that's absolutely right. So that means for all the basic features, so that means navigation, media, telephony, I mean hands-free calling. Um, and um, um, basically um, all the vehicle settings and, and uh, everything is basically available through uh, voice recognition. And um, I think that's very important, especially for navigation, you know, to get from A to B that we do not rely, you know, on a purely off-board or cloud-based uh, solution. But we are watching that, you know, basically closely, and we are thinking already about hybrid solutions. And uh, we have just announced actually three weeks ago that we uh, will bring in Google Maps with our new S-Class mm -hmm. and with different overlay possibilities and satellite view and so on. But with, with some of the apps in the Embrace system, you, you charge a subscription to access those apps. And I mean, do you see the problem? Some of the other manufacturers offer that free. Some just charge for the data. You guys have a subscription. Do you see that as a problem where instead of paying another monthly fee, I'm just going to use my phone instead of the car? I mean, is that a safety issue? Actually, we have quite a high activation rate. So uh, we have different business models and, and different uh, uh, let's say um, activation models worldwide, uh, like in Europe, for example, with your you know command online, as we call the high-end option, um, you get basically um, you know 80% or so of your Mercedes-Benz apps package uh, included in the hardware option. Uh, here in the United States, uh, we offer a subscription-based model, and um, we are very you know successful with that. Uh, also. Uh, we are actually building in uh, hardware. So we are building in a module, you know, with the 3G connectivity. In this subscription, your, all your data fees are, are included, so you don't need to worry about, okay, do I have the right phone, you know, and, and, and the right tethering contract with my carrier and so on. It's really, you know, a one-stop shop solution. It just works uh, as you get your car. And there are a lot of advantages with that. And we see actually other markets now worldwide going into the same direction. and adopting, you know, to the model we have here in the U.S. But, you know, in some ways, isn't it kind of like airline baggage fees, though? I mean, you've already paid this much money for a Mercedes, and now you have to pay every month to use the full connectivity. I mean, it's, it's a yearly fee. Um, so it's $280, uh, basically, for the Embrace 2, um, you know, safety and security and convenience uh, and so on packages, and uh, then $140 uh, per year 
uh, for um, the um, Mercedes-Benz apps and the whole cloud-based uh, solution. Uh, or you can uh, pick an, I think it's a $15 per month uh, fee as well. So you can go to a yearly or a monthly uh, uh, subscription. But uh, in general, I mean, it's a model, you know, which works outside the car industry as well. I mean, uh, from, uh, uh, you know, TV to your telephone to your data. I mean, it's exactly the same even with your smartphone uh, that you have a, uh, a monthly subscription, basically, uh, for your data and, and voice and so on. JJ, we've talked all about this connectivity. I'm curious, though, being out in the valley, are you at all involved in research for autonomous cars? Uh, yes, uh, we are. And uh, I think many people don't know, actually, Mercedes-Benz has been one of the first companies uh, back in the 90s already, 92, 93, 94. We had S-classes driving on the road fully autonomously. Um, but that was time, with sensors in the road and transponders, no, or was that all. all in the car itself? It was all in the car itself, all basically based on stereo vision, multiple pairs of stereo vision cameras, and you know the intelligent drive technology, technology which we just brought to market with the new E-Class and then expanded now with the new S-Class. Uh, basically, still, you know, the same engineering, the same research teams, actually, which have, um, you know, evolved and, and, and now are involved in the, uh, you know, product development of the intelligent drive systems and solution. Um, they have actually been the ones uh, basically developing the uh, autonomous driving uh, cars back then in the 90s. And at that time, we realized, you know, society wasn't ready. Uh, drivers uh, and so on weren't ready yet for that technology. That's why we shelved it for some time. But now, you know, basically we took that, uh, you know, to the next level and uh, we really see this as a step-by-step -step approach. You know, we have already for many years, uh, you know, provided with Distronic and then Distronic Plus, um, you know, kind of partially automated uh, driving uh, with uh, taking over the braking and the acceleration and so on with adaptive cruise control. And um, now with the Intelligent Drive and the new S-Class, uh, actually we, uh, have partially autonomous driving with up to 50 kilometers per hour in uh, stop and go traffic. And you will see you know, much, much more coming from us. So we are very dedicated and uh, uh, we think we can uh, be a leader in this space and still further, let's say, pushing you know, our vision of accident-free free driving. We're down to less than the last minute here, but uh, some people say that we'll see fully autonomous cars within 10 years or so. Do you hazard to take a guess when we might see it? We don't want to talk about timing. For us, it's really more about you know, getting it right and getting it you know, step by step. Let customers really adapt to this technology. Real good. JJ, thanks so much for coming on the show. I think we could go on all day long talking to you more about this. Very fascinating. I want to thank Chuba and Mike for coming on as well. Great job, guys. And I want to thank all of you for having tuned in to Autoline this week. Autoline this week is underwritten in part by
epic battle of fuel efficiency and endurance. We're here to see which hybrid has the best MPG. That's the essence of a hybrid soul. But is there more to it? The Hybrid Game MPG Challenge. 